You're listening to Geek Jabber Live, the show where the main host has a face for radio and a voice for silent movies. Strap yourselves in and dial up the disappointment. Welcome to Geek Jabber Live. Yes, we do have the disappointment dialed up again tonight. We have reached episode nine of the Geek Jabber Live podcasting that we're doing here. Um, so we have a three-person show again. Um, we have Nick up in Sydney, who once again is fighting the NBN. And oh, over don't, don't get me started, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and over in uh, in Sweden, which is shaped conveniently like a penis, we have Qwerties. Hello, hello. Nice to be back. Yes. So how are you two both tonight, apart from our um, internet dropout issues? Yeah, doing good. I have uh, coffee and had my breakfast, so... Yeah, I'm in a slightly different time zone from... Um... <laughs> just so, just yeah. the rest, though, slightly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, before we get started, I have um, some, some exciting news to start with. Um, following on from our last show, Geek Jabber Live is now available on both Spotify and Stitcher. So Holy you- shit! Uh, so if you want to um, hear us rabbit on and perform this um, amateurish excuse for a podcast on Spotify <laughs> or Stitcher, you can do it. That's awesome. Uh, hey, you didn't tell us this. You're just springing this onto us now as well. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. I thought I thought I'd uh, I'd uh, I'd uh, make the announcement and sort of make it a surprise for everyone. Oh, that's very nice. Yes. Oh. Hopefully, uh, there's people out there listening, and hopefully, we we, we deliver. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully we get at least a small handful, but uh, I'm not expecting a million listeners anytime soon. I <laughs> oh, will see one day. Yeah. We can all dream. Anyway, Slow and steady. Anyway, we're going to. Yeah, this is sort of somewhat of an experiment to see if we can make this format work, but it also sounds like a whole heap of fun. Yeah. Um, provided Nick's connection doesn't drop out too much, we're going to be doing computer trivia. I've been looking forward to this, actually, all week. This is going to be pretty good. So I've got, I've got a series of questions, um, and, um, of course, Nick and Quirties have not seen the answer. So I... <laughs> They'll basically have to chime in and see if they can answer the actual questions, and we'll see. We'll see what what comes of this. Yeah. Darn, you mean I, I can't cheat? <laughs> you'd well, be with, given, you'd be... given you're in a completely different country, I've got no way of telling if you're googling the answer, <laughs> uh... or Bing, or whatever your search engine is of choice. Oh, uh, I would never being anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh so, no, this, this will be good. Looking forward to it. So, um, you guys ready to uh, start with the questioning? Yep. I believe we're using yeah. our names as uh, buzzers on this one. We're using your names as buzzers so that um, yeah, we can uh, chime in with the correct answer and I know who's answering. So, the first section I've got is vintage computing. Sweet. Oh boy. So, first question is what year was the IBM PC introduced? Nick. Nick, you're going to. 
Oh, look, I, I knew you were going to ask a question with a year or a date or something. And to be honest, I suck with dates. Um, I'm just going to guess the IBM PC, you say. Yes. So um, the first... I'm going to go with 82. Ooh, close. Oh, fuck. Yeah, QWERTY. I would have gone with or would uh, go with uh, 82 also. So I probably lost her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I honestly, I don't know. But, the correct uh, answer yeah. is 1981. Ah, oh, fuck. So you were you were close with that one. <laughs> uh, well, we're off to a good start. Yeah. Well, the next question might be a little bit easier for you. Uh, what was the CPU used in the first IBM PC? And bonus point, if you can... Um, if you can name what speed it was running at, Nick. Nick, was it? Uh, was it the eighty eighty? Oh, was it the eighty eighty six or the eight? There was one before that. Yeah. So, and... a, um, I'll give you one hint. Um, one of the uh, one of the chips was more used by clones. So there's two of them. The 8086 and the 8088. One of them was more popular with clones, but the other one was used by IBM. Was it like an 8040 or something like that? Uh, racking my brain here. Can I guess the second part of that answer? Yep. Was it like two and a half megahertz? Jeez, we are off to a good start. Do you want the Do you want the actual answer? <laughs> Does Qwerty's have any idea? <laughs> Uh, no, just 8080. So That's the only thing that comes to mind. Um, 8088 clocked at 4.77 megahertz. Oh, so close. <laughs> oh, I, I should uh, hang my head in shame now. <laughs> um, so under MS-DOS, what is the first 640 kilobytes of RAM known as or referred to? Nick. Yep. Uh, conventional memory. I, I'm calling that one correct. Hooray. I won one. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yay. One, one for the vintage. Yeah. Crew. Um, so this is something, <laughs> this is something because I know, um, Quirky's at one point was a Mac user, so he might right. know this one. What sporting event saw the first advertisement for the Apple Macintosh? Quirky. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep. You, you lost <laughs> me at sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, that um, it was their famous 1984 ad. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it was one of the ones where they were trying to paint IBM out as this big authoritarian government thing and Apple was going to come in and change everything. Mm. Do, you, do you see a problem with that, <laughs> that statement? <laughs> yeah. It turned out to be completely the other way around. Yes. Um, one for one. So this is um, this is going to be interesting to see if you know the answer to this one, because I suspect you might get it close, but whether you get it right. What was the first computer to sell one million units? Nick. Yep. Uh, was it the Commodore Six? Oh. I want to say Commodore 64. I, I think I know that's wrong. Again, Quirky. close. Quirky. Uh, uh, Apple II? No. 
The Commodore 64 was actually closer. I'll give you that hint. It was a. Com- I'm sure it was a Commodore. Um, it was. It was a it Commodore. Was one bef- it was the one before the 64, wasn't it? Yep. Ah, so, uh, the pet. It must have been the pet. No. No. That, that was okay. that was before the one that I'm referring to. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to kick yourself if I tell you when you, I tell you the answer. Oh, it's like a band aid. Just right here, the 16. Commodore Vic 20. Oh, the Vic 20. Ah, 20. It, uh, which sat between the Commodore PET and the Commodore 64. Yeah, and the one Commodore I don't actually have in my collection. Yeah, I had one as a kid, and I'm really regretting that we threw it out mm. because um, it started having issues towards the end of the, its life. But um, yeah. sort of with hindsight and knowing what they're worth now, they would have potentially been fixable. Yeah, it was just uh, I think it was just the graphics chip was on the way out yeah i think um and even with the c64s i believe some of the chips um ran a little bit on the warm side um and yeah, you know these yeah. days people are adding small heat sinks to them yeah. um just to make them last a little bit i think the sid chip was one of the ones that used to to die uh, yeah. quite well not quite frequently but more commonly yeah so on the um topic of the vic 20 um this is one qwerties might get um, why was the VIC-20 known as the VC-20 in Germany? Well, that's a hard one. Um... I will give you a hint. It's to do with German language. Nick? Yep. Is it because they can't pronounce the Vs properly? They pronounce them as Ws? I have no idea. Um, that's kind of hinting in the right direction not quite but um that's sort of part of the reason it's to do with the pronunciation of a certain Mm. word yeah no i have no idea so the pronunciation of vic in german sounds very close to the german word for fuck ah (laughs) ah Okay, oh, now I know the word. The fuck 20, eh? <laughs> fuck 20. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take 20 fucks, please. No, that's not what that means at all. <laughs> there you go. I have actually heard that before, um, a long time ago. But Yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought you guys would get a bit of a uh, uh, kick out of that one. <laughs> um, so the last question in... Um, in vintage computing and i think this one um will you will get what was the most popular computer of all time as in the most number of units sold nick yep i'm oh i'm gonna go the commodore 64 again yep that was it was the commodore 64 Fuck yeah because that was um sold right up until the early 90s I think it was 92, 93 that it was yeah. finally phased out. Yeah, and it wasn't until sort of, um, you know, you saw the early Macintoshes and, and the PC starting to become a lot more affordable uh, in the home. And yeah, yeah, but knocked uh, Commodore off the list there. Yeah, well, what was... Uh... Yeah, they did sell the Amiga yeah, they uh, after did. the Commodore 64. So the Amiga was their 32-bit machine. And was actually mm. fairly. I haven't actually used Amiga as much myself, but they were surprisingly capable for their 
Um, like they, the machine that people forget is the Acorn Risk Machine because they're not seen much out of the UK and Europe. Um, but that was a ma another machine of about the same vintage that was um, fairly um, fairly ahead of its time in some respects. Um, what made the Amiga so good was all the support chips. Like the CPU wasn't anything special, but because of all the support chips, it actually ended up being a really quite capable machine. And it was a true multitasking operating yeah. system also, I think. Yeah, it was... Uh, I think one of the earliest to do preemptive multitasking. Oh, there you go. Whereas a lot of the other stuff was used, still using cooperative. Awesome. Um, so now we're going into a, a section called quotes and misquotes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so this, is, um, this is going to be a little bit of fun. Hmm. Thomas Watson, president of IBM in 1943, was quoted as saying there was a world market for how many computers? Uh, when did he make that? So that would have been in 1943. 1943. So we're talking about basically very early computers. Like the, uh, We're still probably talking analog computers at this point. So things like um, Enigma. Uh, quirky yeah. total guess, 100. No. Nick. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with 30. Both of those are actually fairly high. Oh, I knew it was low, <laughs> but I didn't think it was that low. It was, you want the answer? Yeah. It was quoted as saying there was a world market for five computers. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I think I have five on my desk. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, yeah, with with basically um, all the things that get that could be classified as a computer, I think most people um, would probably be approaching to five computers because your phone's a computer. Pretty much any electronics device now is just a computer in a different form factor. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, you're you're keeping track of the scores, aren't you, Tim? Yeah, I'm keeping track of the scores. So right <laughs> now, Halcyon, you've got... Well, Nick, you've got two. QWERTY's on one. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this one might be a little bit difficult, but um, could be interesting once we get to the answer. Ken Olsen of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977 was quoted as saying what? And to give you a clue, I believe Ken Olsen was one of the people who was uh, heavily involved in the early development of Unix. I honestly have no idea. I couldn't even guess. Um, yeah. No clue here. Okay, here it's, a, it's a quote that's slightly out of context, but the quote is, there is no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. Uh, I have actually heard that quote. Nice. Yeah, so, um, yeah, basically, it's uh, it's slightly out of context. So we sort of pointed at being silly, going, no, nobody what wants a computer. Well, everybody's got one now. So, but really, what he was referring to with a computer was not uh, PC as we know it. He was referring to computers that did 
home automation tasks. Oh, there you go. So that was the so it's a quote that we kind of take a little bit out of context uh, because we sort of go with our definition of what a computer is, but that's not quite what he meant. Smart guy. Yes. Who needs to I IoT? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, no one needs that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, IoT. Yeah, we were talking. I was sort of mentioned this a little bit. I think while you were dropped out, Nick. Um, yeah, I have mixed feelings about Internet of Things. Um, like it's what we all envisioned. This um, the internet would eventually become, but uh, I, I think the problem is uh, people just don't know how to secure Internet of Things devices correctly. No, you're very true there, and you know, yeah, it's it's wrong to assume that the manufacturer of the uh, the product will do it for you either, because quite yeah. often they don't care. Yeah, so that's where you get um, a lot of security cameras, for instance, getting broken into because mm -hmm. they've somehow exposed it to the internet and left it with a default password. Yep. Or your fridge running a botnet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you so you you suddenly hear your fridge yell out um, 37 kilos of uh, of gouda cheese has just been ordered. <laughs> I didn't order that. <laughs> anyway, um Oh boy. Uh, I think this one will do Price, price is right answers. So the person who can get the closest without going over. Because I don't think you're going to get the specific answer. Oh, God. In 1940, so in 1949, Popular Mechanics magazine predicted that computers one day might weigh no more than how much? Nick. Yep. Uh, two hundred, no more than ah, oh, two hundred kilos. Yep. So, do you want to make a guess at as well, Querty? Yeah, I'd say hundred. Just I'm to go lower. Yeah. So I'm going with Nick because Price is Right rules, closest without going over, weigh no more than one point five tons. Wow. <laughs> wow. What yeah, I uh, just I just look at the phone here and um, <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, final one for quotes and misquotes. Who said six forty kilobytes ought to be enough for anybody? Quote Bill Gates. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Quote. got in first. Yeah. Um, this is the trick question. Oh boy. So, I'll give Nick a chance to answer first. I'm going to say no one, because I know Bill Gates didn't say that. Yes. Nick is technically correct. Nobody, it's attributed to Bill Gates, but um, it's, from what I can tell, one of those urban legends that everybody thinks he said it, but he didn't actually say it. Nobody has been able to name where he actually said it yeah um, in fact i believe i believe they uh, i don't know who it was that interviewed him yeah. uh some time ago and they actually spoke about that that quote yeah and um he he basically told the 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 
uh, the reporter that yeah that wasn't something that he ever said. Yeah, so it was in an interview. I can't remember who did it, but it was in two thousand and one, and basically, um, yeah, Bill Gates basically said I didn't say that, and he actually went on to further say that um, like Microsoft were fairly heavily involved with the development of the original PC. So IBM did the hardware, Microsoft did a lot of the software. And yeah, didn't Microsoft also do uh, a version of Unix? Yep, Xenix. But um, yeah. Bill Gates actually said IBM originally wanted to be 512K RAM, 512K ROM. We actually got them to push it up to 640K RAM through 84K address space for ROM. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, and they basically sold the solution to IBM. Yeah, that was a, an operating system. Yeah, but basically, they didn't have an operating system. They just said they did. Then they yeah. went to another company, bought their operating system, made a few changes, and then said, "Here you go." <laughs> and um, CPM, I think it was. No, um, CPM uh, was one of the alternative operating systems. So there is actually a bit of... Uh, I don't know whether this is true or whether this is the thing of just urban legends, but um, Gary Kildall, who was yeah. the head guy, um, IBM, IBM came knocking on his door to say, we want, um, um, we want CPM. He was out flying his plane because he was also an amateur pilot, and he basically said, look, we'll need to do this another time because I'm about to go flying. And that's when they went, went off to a MS-DOS and well, went to a Microsoft and got MS-DOS. Wasn't it Gary Kildall who um, uh, had the first uh, graphical interface also? GAM, YAM? Yeah, one of the, I, I don't know if it was the first, but it was one of the first with GEM, which was also used on the Ataris. Yay, I know winter stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, speaking of operating systems, we're now going to a section called Operating Systems. <laughs> oh, boy. And again, we're going slightly vintage on some of these ones. In 1991, the first version of the kernel was released for what operating system? Nick. Yep. Are you are you counting kernel as in like the OS? It's yes, like yeah. whether or not it. Uh... So um, I'm te like technically in this case, the term for the kernel is also used to apply to the, generally to the entire operating system. Yeah, uh, ninety one. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Windows three point Qwerty. Qwerty. Uh, Steve Jobs. Um... Next, no, and I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised you didn't get it. Given uh, both of you guys, I believe use it. 1991 was the first release of the Linux kernel. Oh, there you go. Oh, see, I'll, oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a well, trick question. Yeah, because well, I specifically asked it like that because um, we generally refer to the entire operating system. As Linux, yeah. but um, technically, yeah. 
I believe it's just the kernel that's Linux, and it's just new or whatever they add to it yeah. that provides the rest of the tools. Yeah, and technically it wasn't a functional operating system; it was just a kernel. Yeah, it was just a uh, which needed a shell. And... Yeah, so that's where they put the kernel out in '91, and that's when the new pro project started to develop everything on top of the operating of the um, kernel. So it was actually it was uh, wasn't there. Um operating system that he was kind of um, emulating um, uh, Minix or something yeah so he was um, he wasn't he wasn't he was doing it slightly differently but yes Minix was um, was sort of somewhat of a basis for Linux um, there were some technical um, diff um, differences so I think Linux uses a monolithic kernel where Minix doesn't so I think there were a couple of sort of under the hoods changes like that. That uh... yeah. So I was close with Windows three point though. So the last yeah, so, version came yeah. out in ninety one. Yeah, and I think ninety two was three point one, and ninety three was three eleven, if there I remember go. correctly. Nice. When was Windows for workgroups? Yeah, that was three eleven. Yeah. yeah, there was oh, technically a. Yeah. Uh, Windows for Workgroups 3.1, but um, I don't think it really gained much popularity. It was the no. 311 that everyone remembers. Yeah. So speaking of Windows, Windows NT 3.1 was released in 1993. What does NT stand for? Nick. Nick? New, new technology. Yep. Um, no. <laughs> What's wrong, Coyotes? Ah, <laughs> uh, darn it! You were too fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's that two hundred millisecond lag. I should maybe yeah. back up on the buttons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, final question from operating systems: What does MS DOS stand for? Nick. Nick. I see. I was giving Coyotes a chance to answer yeah. that one. Um, Microsoft Disk Operating System. Yep. Okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, interestingly, <laughs> on the NT question, um, and I, I've just remembered this: um, Windows two thousand back in the day was one of my favourite versions of, of Windows. Oh, okay, you used it. Yeah, from, the best. Yeah, I used it well after XP was released because the first versions of XP was basically two thousand with a new interface and a couple mm. of minor tweaks. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until software actually started requiring XP that I switched over, but I did always love that. Um, I believe it was the splash screen said that it was based on NT technology. Yes. So Windows right. 2000 is based on new technology. Technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I believe um, uh. they still use the NT branding. Uh, yeah. not, not so much in your face anymore, but. Uh, they certainly refer to it um, even now. Yeah, because, um, yeah, essentially what it was was back in those days, 311, 95, 98ME was, um, was their consumer division. Mm. NT was their business line. And I think by the time Windows 2000 was released, that was supposed to be the release that basically turned both 
basically made NT cover both consumer and uh, business. Um, but wasn't it uh, at the same time they released ME with yeah, ME? Yeah, yeah, ME with the same interface. Yeah, yeah. So, but Windows XP was the um, one where they finally merged the two product lines. So that so technically. Because it's now one product line, every newer version is basically a new version of NT. Yep. Yeah, and they oh. have, have the same version number, uh, yeah. right? Even even now. Yeah. So, uh, so interesting. Here's here's one for you. Um, speaking of ME and NT, you don't ever want to get a network of Windows CE handheld to a Windows ME desktop logging into a Windows NT domain controller. Because if you do, you get Windows Cement. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it what all falls apart, does it? <laughs> C-E-M-E-N-T, Windows Cement. Oh, what God. You and your... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we move on? <laughs> yes, so we're going into the last section of the, of the, uh, of the show. So uh, networking, which I think you both have a bit of knowledge on yeah well i'd hope so yeah yeah what is the primary network protocol that powers the internet tcp okay qwerty tcp ip i will get i will give that one to uh we'll give him that one i knew he was gonna get it so so on tcp ip what year was ip version 6 introduced nick yep uh, as in, like a standard, like a, a ratified. Yeah, basically a ratified standard. Oh, I know it was a while ago. Um, I'm going to go with like 2002. Earlier. Uh, yeah, I knew it was early, but I wouldn't, yeah. Do you want to have a crack at it, uh, QWERTYs? No. No. <laughs> so it was 1995. Oh, wow. Okay, that so it, surprises me. Yeah, it was, it was actually really early that it was introduced. Mm. It's just because everyone was using, um, was familiar with IP version 4 and the IP address exhaustion was still a thing yeah. that was a few years ago away. People just didn't get around to implementing it until... It's interesting. Um, like, that fascinates me because if you think back to the 90s, like, even into the late 90s, um, there are a lot of people still using um, Novell Netware uh, yeah. and things like that, So, which yeah. is entirely different protocols. Uh, and, you know, certainly, you know, in the mid-90s, you were probably a user of Windows 3.1 or Windows for Workgroups. Um and and by default you didn't even get TCP IP. You had to install yeah. install it separately. So you know you were using um, yeah. uh, what do you call it? NetBIOS or IPX SPX. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think from my memory of the storyline, like they'd been talking about IP address exhaustion. I think going back to the late eighties, so about eighty eight, mm. eighty nine, they yeah. realised if this network ever took off. We're going to run out of addresses. Yeah, I think um, ninety-five ish. Like, and that's what prompted, I think, the start of the development of IP version six. We need something that's more scalable. Um, Was that the, um, because they saw it as 
directly connected machines with the yes. um, IPA. Yes, or... okay. it's basically network address translation was a long way off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they they did like the like they knew network address exhaustion was coming, and I think that's what prompted IV, IP version six. Um, it was um, sort of ratified and made a standard in ninety five. But yeah. because everybody was still just getting their head around IP version four, yeah. and they did, they thought, "Oh, this is still a long way off." They just yeah. focused on that first, and then going into the two thousands, they went, "Oh shit, it's running out a bit quicker than we thought." So that's when yeah. they started and that's when we got NAT. We we really started yeah. to rely on NAT a lot more, um, you know, because back in the back in the nineties, the way you but ge you generally share an internet connection would be via a proxy server, yeah. Um, you know, whether it be socks or otherwise. Um, God, those were the quote unquote fun <laughs> days. Jesus, yeah. They, yeah, that was not fun. Yes, I yeah. Wasn't well, the university machines or um, the high end ones? Wasn't that when you could? Uh, what was it called? Uh, finger a computer to see who the user yeah. was on it. Yeah, so Ooh. yeah, those were the days when you could finger someone over the internet. And it was perfectly <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. moving on before this devolves too much further, what <laughs> networking standard was introduced by IBM in 1984? Nick. Yep. Uh, ooh, mm, when you say standard... So I'm talking about sort of the, the lower level, sorry, hardware types. Uh, well, I want to say token ring, but that was earlier. Um, uh, uh, no, to that's the answer I was looking for. Token, token ring? ring? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what I would have said also. Yeah, so um, pretty much networking on computers was only just starting to become a thing then. Mm. So that's when we started to see the early Ethernet standards um, Apple had local talk. Yes. Um, I think um, mainframes were still using a lot of serial links. Yeah, X11 uh, and that yeah, sort of yeah. type stuff. Yep. So, but yeah, token ring was IBM standard, and in uh, in um, 1984, and I'm kind of glad that I've never had to deal with it because um, from what <laughs> I know of it, it's. Um, Ethernet, once it got switching, was a far better standard. Yeah. I, I actually, yeah, like yourself, I've never actually touched a, a token ring adapter or um, had, had, you know, played with it at all. I, it'd be interesting to see how it worked. Um, yeah. 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 I, I know it was uh, relatively slow. I think you were talking about something like 12, 12 megabit a second or oh, 8 so megabit a second or something. The, fir the first standard was 4 megabit. Yeah, the uh, it was then upgraded to sixteen, and then right. towards the end of its life, yeah. it, we got a hundred megabit, but um, that never went into production. Because, yeah, I was about to say that that would have been rare. Yeah, the, well, yeah, it was basically once it got to that point, it's sort of like Ethernet's one. Yeah, yeah. No point. Wasn't it a better handling traffic token ring? Than, well, yeah. In the, the Ethernet. Er, in the early days. Early days. Yeah, in the yeah. early days, yes, because um, but basically, with the early Ethernet networks, so the the early ten megabit networks, they were all using hubs, which basically, they yeah. 
the network performance would um, quite often You're a bit intimate. <laughs> well, it would quite often degrade if you had large networks because you used to get a lot of collisions. Yeah. So, yeah. storms so, was a thing. Yeah, so for smaller networks, uh, Ethernet was fine, but as it scaled up, performance would nosedive. Whereas with the way that it, with the way that Token Ring worked, it completely avoided the um, yeah the whole um, collision thing. So yeah. it was um, so it was performed better on high traffic networks, but Ethernet performed better on low utilization networks. Mm. But but once we got switching and that whole collision thing just pissed off, that whole advantage basically suddenly disappeared because yeah. switching actually uh, does it a whole lot better. Yeah. Well, actually, funny should say that uh, Token Ring wasn't suited to large networks because at one point that was IBM's sort of selling point. But Well, uh, well uh, Token uh, Ring was better for larger network where Ethernet would suffer because of... Yeah, well, that, that was the theory, but it, it sort of seemed like a lot of marketing fluff at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's arguments for and against. Um, and, and just having a quick look at Token Ring too, because it's something I love to read about. Um, you mentioned there was a 100 meg standard. They actually created a gigabit standard too in 2001. Okay. But needless to say, no one ever fucking bought it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I doubt there was any any cards or anything manufactured. Yeah, well, by that point, everything was Ethernet. So there was really Correct. not much. Like, I think that's when the last of the Token Ring networks were getting pulled out. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly by the two thousands. Look, even if you were sort of a, an adopter of, of Ethernet earlier on, you would have been using thin uh, coax and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, you probably would have dumped a token ring a long time ago. Yeah. Well, well. Moving on to the next question: What network operating system was um, introduced in nineteen eighty three? Nick. Yep. I'm going to go with Novell Netware. That's correct. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Novell Netware um, was one of the was one of the big ones early on. Um, there were a lot of other competing standards, but um, I think Novell really took off early on because it just worked so well. Yeah, and it was common to find that in education um, sectors as well. Yeah. Uh, I remember administering. Um, our high school network actually was still, it was about 50% Novell and 50% sort of Windows, uh, TCP IP kind of base stuff. And there was, you know, this mishmash in the middle that made it all kind of work. Yeah, um, yeah. A bit of a pain, but yeah, I, I don't I, miss it. Well, I, I know, I don't know what they're using now, but at least when I was at TAFE here in 2014, like I just did six months at TAFE, they were running Open Enterprise Server, which is what Novell turned into that's right yeah um so it's still used and i believe they still actually use it and mm. i think the reason they use it is that um is that e-directory is just so much uh better than uh active directory in some respects sorry yeah uh no worries uh, i was gonna say isn't it ibm owns novel nowadays it's microfocus or now. Oh, MicroFocus. So, so micro, micro focus, uh, owns Open Enterprise Server. 
Um, they also own um, Lantastic. So Lantastic is still a thing, although it has not been updated in years. So it's not compatible with um, with sort of anything past about Windows XP. Hmm. Um, so so Lantastic was the peer to peer that you could also turn into client a form of client server if you wanted to. So yeah. the two big ones that sort of there was sort of a little bit of a shake up in the early days before Windows NT, um, and out. Like you had Banyan Vines, which I think a lot of people hated. Oh, um, okay. There was the sort of simple MS Net stuff, which was kind of pointless until Windows NT. Um, so the two big standards were basically Novell Netware, if you wanted a full client server, um, if you wanted if you wanted something um, peer to peer. Or client serve or, or on a bit more of a budget, you went fantastic. Yeah, going back to what you were saying, Quirty is about IBM. I think you may be thinking of Lotus. Um, I know uh, IBM oh, yeah. acquired Lotus, so Lotus Notes, Lotus One, Two, Three, that sort of stuff. Um, oh, I can't remember when they acquired them. It, it was in the two thousand sometime. Yeah. Yes. Um... Yeah, my whole time. I uh, remember I did some interning at. Um... My local hometown, and they they still had uh, a Lotus Notes, or as I like to call it, Lotus Goats, because um, oh yeah, when I've had to support it, it's been horrible. Yeah, I I know no no, it is uh, Lotus or IBM jokes. So um, I <laughs> yeah. work for an organisation um, that only just got rid of it a couple of years ago uh, in favour of Microsoft Outlook and Exchange. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was hard. I kind of hated it. Well, yeah, it's um, it's well, it wasn't a fun experience. No, let's say that no, there is a reason why I call it bloaters goats. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. going back to the questions, um, sort of on Novell Netware, what was the primary network protocol for Novell Netware up until around Netware four? Ooh. Nick. Yep. Oh, it's on the tip of my brain. Oh, shit. It, it was a three-letter thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I can't think of it. You're going to hate me when I tell you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. I can't even guess. Do you um, want to take a stab at QWERTY's or... Do you not? No. The, so it's IPX no. SPX. Oh, I just said that too. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're and, right. Um, so uh, up until no, up until Netware three, it was basically the standard protocol. I think that's all it really yeah. spoke. Novell four had both um, both um, IPX SPX and TCP/IP, mm. and that started the mark between them as it went up for five and then six, they gradually sort of made TCP IP the more dominant standard. And I yep. believe um, at around the Novell four days, you know, I can't remember which component of, like I, I've never really done much with Novell Netware server, but I seem to remember that actually 
you can actually set up a novel network server as a router to basically bridge between um, IPX, SPX, and TCP IP. And essentially what it did was um, tunnel one protocol through the other. Yeah. Um, there you so, go. So there was a way of, if you had one network segment just doing IPX, SPX, and one doing TCP, um, then um, there was there was a way to use a novel server to basically bridge between them. And we're coming up to the last question for the show. Oh boy. What, what protocol provides file and print sharing on a Microsoft Windows network? Uh, it technically goes by two different names, so I'll accept either. Pretty, I would say Samba, but uh, I know that's not... Um, Samba took its uh, name from the protocol. Yeah, so... Uh, oh. I'll give you that. Uh, brain, brain freeze. Brain freeze. Uh. Yeah, look, to be honest, I, I have done a lot of Windows networking, but that is never yeah. a question that I've had to actually sit down and think about. Yeah. Uh, so, so it goes by two names. So Samba, the reason I said Samba is based off the protocol. So the protocol is SMB or server messaging block. Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, the early versions were also known as common internet file services. Ah, uh, SIFS, yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so um, that was when they tried to, uh, that was when they tried to make Windows the dominant operating system of the internet. Uh, yeah, yeah that's of course that worked out well. Well, they they won, didn't they? Well, <laughs> well, in in some way, in some ways, yes, some ways, no. Like mm. I, th I think um, the Linux crowd would like to uh, to uh, <clears throat> sort of have Linux yeah. take on a bit more. But having said that, I, I think Windows servers still are uh, surprisingly high. Like I think it's about. I seem to remember it being about 60% Linux slash Unix slash BSD and about 35 to 40% uh, Windows. Yeah, right. Um, that's just going off the tip of my tongue, but I think that's about the, sp this, about the split. There you go. But um, so we've now come to um, the end of the show. Or the end of the question. So I've got uh, QWERTY on two. Yay. And um, Nick on seven. Yay. See, I, I do know <laughs> stuff sometimes. Even <laughs> though I'm very tired and made some stupid mistakes today. Yes. So but, that, was uh, a, that was actually quite a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't mind that. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. I like it. It gets the brain going. Yes. Yeah, so... Well, at least tries to get it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you've had coffee. You've got no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, yeah, there are a couple of couple of ones that um, I thought you might you might actually get. So mm. I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah, get I should it. have yeah, gotten yeah. server messaging messaging. Yeah, block. and yeah. the eighty eighty eight in the IBM PC. I thought you would have got. Mm. Yeah, I was close. Uh, yeah. There were some close ones there, but yeah, uh, at this time of night, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I could. Yeah. Uh, 
So I'm calling this actually moderately successful. So yeah, yeah, I like that. So I'm not sure. We're, I don't think we'll do this every week because, uh, or every show because it'll get tedious. But um, how do yeah. you guys feel about doing this as somewhat more of a maybe once every couple of shows we do something like this? Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. yeah, me too. But maybe uh, uh, you know, if there's some listeners out there that want to submit some questions to you. I don't know if there's a, a way to do that. Um, uh, that would be kind of cool too. So if you go on to geekjabber.com, um, you can actually go over to our, there's some yellow social media links over to our top right. Um, there's one for Discord. Um, so if you join the, go in there to join the Discord, and then you can just uh, message any questions you might want to um, have for a future show. Hmm. Um, yeah. So that might that might be a way to to um, to actually do it you know, to message me via Discord, and we can sort of start collating a few of people are interested. Yeah, that sounds good. And um, yeah, and before next uh, trivia episode i'll uh, binge watch uh, computer chronicles <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes so yeah. um and on that note um just a reminder um this show is now on spotify and stitcher um so if you want to hear our amateur uh, um ramblings on there you can subscribe that way rather than doing it through the website and or um, to put it in another way you can get your favorite geeks in spotify yes <laughs> so and um, of course you can always go into geekjabber.com have a read of the material we've been writing um and of course join our discord as well from the from the website so hopefully um hopefully we can uh, make this a bit more of a regular thing But, yeah, on yeah. That, on that note, I think we might uh, wrap the show here because it's actually one of the longest shows we've done. So I might wrap this up here and uh, we'll call it done. Yay. Well, thanks for having me. Not a problem. Yeah, the same. Thanks for letting me ramble on. <laughs> okay. Catch you later, peoples. See you next time.